I just had one of the most somber conversations with Debbie Butt, Director of Communications, Marketing Events for Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Debbie works in partnership with the families, volunteers, clinical staff, and fundraising staff at the hospice to help uh, in getting engagement in the community and really getting the word out about the wonderful work that the Canuck Place Children's Hospice does for children coming to end of life. It's a moving conversation and it's something that I hope you enjoy. Here's my guest, Debbie Butt. Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Hey, Debbie Butt, you are the Director of Communications and Community uh, Events for the uh, Vancouver Canuck Hospice Society. Is that what it's called, Vancouver? It's called Canuck Place. Canuck Place. Children's Hospice. Yes. Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Sorry I didn't get the right. No, no, that's okay. But thanks for coming in today. This is so exciting to have you here. Oh, I'm really excited to be here, Andy. Thanks for including me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is the website, Canuck Place Children's Hospice, uh, canuckplace.org. Yes. Um, How long have you been involved with Canuck Place? I've been with the organization for seven years, but was involved with them prior to that. I I actually worked uh, at the Vancouver Canucks and um, the Canucks for Kids Fund. So at the time when I was introduced to the organization, Canuck Place was a beneficiary of the Canucks for Kids Fund. So I came to know and understand the organization. I was actually working for the Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, really? (laughs) uh, At the time that Canuck Place opened. So Canuck Place opened in 1995. Yeah. which, as you may recall, or that was the first year of the Vancouver Grizzlies. And the ownership group at the time was yeah. called Orca Bay Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. And they owned both the Vancouver Hockey Club yeah. and the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yeah. Yes. The and Griffiths family, right? Yeah, the Griffiths family. So yeah. Arthur Griffiths was one of the founders. Yeah. Uh, Brenda Ang was the, the leading chart. She was a... Uh, she was a nurse, an oncology nurse at BC Children's Hospital. Okay. She went to England where there are pediatric palliative care hospices. There were none in North America at that time. And so oh. she went there for about six months just to study and to see what was going on. She felt there was a better way that children who were facing end of life and families could be cared for. Right. So she went to look at the pediatric hospice model in uh, England. And yeah. at that time, I think they started in about 1980, 1985. And she came back and she said, we must do this here. Okay. So she got together with um, an advertising um, uh, guy in town, yeah. big dude, um, George Jarvis. Okay. So Palmer Jarvis. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, yeah. but yeah, George definitely. Jarvis is... Yeah. Um, so she got together with him okay. and uh, the publisher at the time at the um, Vancouver Sun. And then uh, they went to Arthur Griffiths and his family and said, could you support this? And that's what, that's what happened. So also at the time, Gordon Campbell was the mayor of right, Vancouver. Yeah. And the mayor of the city had just been given a property um, that uh, had some parameters around it that it could only be used for um, a children's charity. So Glen Bray, which is on Matthews Avenue in Shaughnessy, um, that became um, Canuck Place, and the city leases it to Canuck Place for a dollar a year. And they retrofitted it. They had to make a medical floor, make it medical quality. Um, But it's a beautiful old home. It's got four family suites on the third floor and nine patient beds on the clinical floor. And then basically the main, you know, the main, uh, main area and the entranceway and everything is there's a kitchen and there's yeah. a school room and there's an art room, there's a volcano room, there's a snoozlin room. <laughs> so it's all about how do you make those moments that really matter? How do you make the best environment to ensure that families that have little time together make the most wow, of that's, that time? That's amazing. So if we go back to before Canuck Place was created, uh, where 
where would children go if they were terminally ill? They would just have to stay at home or they go into they would go a to sterile they, hospital and just They would go to BC Children's Hospital, okay. which, you know, at the time, I mean, that's what that's what does what did occur in North America in many places. Yeah. So England, as I said, was the only, you know, model at the time. So yes, that's where they would go. And um, because of what Brenda Ang, you know, what she brought forth, and she did bring forth- Is she still around, by the way? Yes, she is. Yeah, and she still comes. I mean, she doesn't work at Connect Place anymore, and she's doing amazing things. Um, I think, um, well, I'm not sure, somewhere in the U.S. where she's building something, some infrastructure. So Connect Place was the first freestanding pediatric palliative care hospice in North America. Wow. There was no other at the time, and now there's- I think there's seven, seven or eight in North America, and they've all come to look at the model here yeah. and uh, to do their to replicate in in the communities that they're in. And what a neat story! Yeah, it is fabulous. Yeah. And I think you know the the amazing thing is um, a to have uh, to have someone you know come in, in the medical field to come forward with that. But I feel that they also brought a community around it, like to have that partnership with the Vancouver Canucks for all that time is, is phenomenal Mm -hmm. to have that, um, you know, that, that sense of community and that people felt this place is, is needed for British Columbia. And we have a unique model of care for pediatrics in British Columbia. We've got one main children's hospital. Right. Right. Yeah. And the model really, really works well. So all the referrals for our program come through BC children's and for our perinatal care, it comes through BC women's. Okay. So it's like, because this is going to be one of my questions is mm-hmm. how do families kind of become, mm-hmm. you know, introduced to Canuck Place and how do they, I'm assu- I got to assume that there's probably more demand for spots at Canuck Place than there is room. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I'm sure you have to turn away some families. I don't know. So what, what happens is, is a child will be, um, whether they're in utero or, and that would be through BC Women's or through children's, they will be diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. They will be between the ages of zero and 19. Okay. And their diagnosis um, means that they will die before the age of 19. Okay. So that's basically how, how it happens. And they, whether they have a central nervous system, immunologic, like there's all different kinds of um, um, uh, diseases and conditions. We actually looked at, look after about 190 different diseases and conditions, some of them very rare. Wow. And complex. And it's not like adult hospice care. So, you know, at adult hospice care, your end of life, you have about maybe a three-month window at most, and you, you receive a palliative care in a hospice. Pediatric palliative care, our kids are on our program for an average of seven years. Really? Right? Wow. So it's different. But they're not staying there for seven they're years They're not staying in-house. For the most part, our, our kids and families are cared for in their own communities, and mostly this 24-hour care is, is made possible by their mom and dad. Okay. So how do you help and support those families? They're dealing with grief already because they've just been given notice that their child yeah. has some sort of, you know, um, something that, they, that they're going to die be, before the age of 19. That's a struggle. How do they continue to work? How do they continue to have a relationship with their, their spouse? What do they do? Because the care is very intensive. So what we provide for families is 20 days of um, respite care. That means they can come in-house, they stay upstairs, or if they're going on holidays with their other children, they can go and they can know that their child has a place to stay and that, that they require nursing care and physician care and that there's a place for them to go. So... Families get the rest that they need, recover, and then they can kind of go back. The other thing that we do is that families will, um, you know, through these diseases and conditions, children's, their health declines. They become more symptomatic. So we support the family in figuring out, okay, let's bring you in, bring that child in for pain and symptom management, help support the family to, um, to address the decline that is occurring, mm-hmm. and then um, support that family so they can go back into the community. Families want to be at home. Sure, yeah. And then when it does come time for end of life, we are able to provide that care. They're familiar. They know that nurses know the children. They know what's going through with the child. They know the siblings, volunteers. We have over 400 volunteers on our program. Really? They provide about 24,000 hours a year. It is unbelievable. We wow. could 24 not. 24,000 hours a year. 24,000 hours a year. So we couldn't do what we do because, you know, who looks after the siblings? 
Right. Right. We have these fabulous volunteers who helps make the meals, right? So that families are provided with meals. That is supported by our volunteer team. We even have volunteer housekeepers to support our existing volunteer team because you know what? We're a, we're a working hospital. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be clean, right? I Up think that's a really good point is you're a working hospital because I think mm-hmm. that's something that, um, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about, well, your Canuck place, you probably have, you know, oodles of money. You're, mm-hmm. you know, you're, maybe people even assume you're owned by the Canucks, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not the case. No. And, and you are a hospital. You're providing real healthcare. Yes. And, and very, you know, emotionally driven. I mean, it's, I got to think this has got to be very intensive from an emotional perspective. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people um, coming in there with some real, mm-hmm. you know, heavy, heavy hearts. This has got to be a, a tough place to work at times, I imagine, is it? Or do you kind of become immune to it or what? You know, it's such a good mm-hmm. question. And I, mm-hmm. you know, you're not the first person that's like, oh, it must be so sad. Mm-hmm. And um, I think. What I observe every day, you know, when I go into the hospice and I see families, I, I feel really great about what I do because I know what I'm doing is I'm supporting them through a very difficult time. Yeah. But, and that's, I'm not saying that's joyful. I'm saying no. that that's a good, that's a, for purpose, purpose yeah, driven. Absolutely. You know, I feel really good about that. But I think what I observe is you just see, how much people love one another. Mm-hmm. And isn't that just, isn't that what we're here to do? And so, so. Well, and especially if you're taking a lot of the stresses of regular life away from those parents to allow them to have that, that bandwidth to be able to express that love towards their kids and for the siblings to do so as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's because it's for children. It's a place of joy. Right. Yeah, everything about it is yeah. there's delight around Im- each corner. I gotta there's imagine these terminally ill chi- children probably maybe you know, unlike us older people who would probably lie there in pity, they're probably just you know as vibrant as they possibly could be. Yeah, they and they you know they go to school. There's a school yeah. on site. Right. You know they're they're going to they're on an outing with the recreation therapy team. They're going to camp, and yeah. you know it doesn't matter that they're in a power wheelchair. They're going to take them on a zip line, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Because the Very world neat. needs to shape around the kids, our yeah. kids, right? Yeah. At Canuck Place, how do we make the world adaptable for them and accessible? And so, as they're going through what they're going through, um, how do you help them experience and make memories with their families? Because that's what their families are going to need. And if the, this is the known and this is the, 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 we know that it's terminal, what do we do? Mm-hmm. How do we make the most of the time that's available? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's really, um, so to your point, it is a house of joy. Yeah. There is sadness, you know. And, you know, when you walk in the main, um, the main area of both our hospices, you go in there and there's a lamp. It's got a green shade. And... The green, the green is, shade. By the way, is this lamp on your website at all? Is, 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 is I, this image no, no, no okay. but yeah. it's not. But yeah. if the, the green lamp is on, it means that there's a child in house who's end of life. Oh. And okay. so that they know, you know, that in the next 24 or 48 hours, that child will pass. And it allows everybody in the house to have a sense of reverence. Wow. And it's not the joy stops. It's not that the fun stops. It's reverence. It's just that acceptance that, there's something, you know, there's something that is um, happening and that everybody just needs to be aware, mm-hmm. you know, and it's. Yeah. Um, I have to admit, I'm getting choked. Yeah. Just listening to you talk about this <laughs> with three young kids. Yeah. You know, uh, Crystal, as you know, has been involved in the Gift of Time Gala for, uh, I think, what, three three or four years now. Four years, yeah. yeah. She's been and amazing. Yeah, well, you guys. Thank you're you all, for letting <laughs> your wife come on board because she's been wonderful. Well, you guys, she is. That's why I married her. And. Um, and so I've been to the gala, and it's yeah. a phenomenal gala, and I cry every year, yeah. as I think everybody, um, and, and this last year one was really interesting because you had this family talk about the son who, I mean, first of all, it was amazing, the story about how when he was younger, his best friend went to Canuck Place. Yeah, the Domingos. And, yeah, Domingos. Yeah. And, Go yeah, ahead. so so um, the story the story it was fascinating. It is to me too because we live in such a you know how could it how could these two humans be connected in that way? Right. So um, um, the Domingo um, Emmanuel and his wife 
um, Teresa spoke about their son, Christian. Yes. And Christian um, graduated from Vancouver College. He um, was an outstanding athlete. He wanted to be a veterinarian. He yeah. was 18 uh, years old. And on the prime of his life, he was going to go play football of U of S. Yeah. And he got a scholarship there and he was going to go and uh, study to be a veterinarian. Two yeah, days and after. The, and those, those images that they showed, I mean, you see this young fellow, like he, he, he is like, buffed. buffed. He's he is like, like so this is, You look at a picture of a like, kid like that and you're like, there's this guy's going, you know, he's going to have a good, long, healthy yeah. life. And he was diagnosed two days after um, graduation with um, cancer. Yeah. So he was in and out of um, uh, children's and um, they were in and out of the BC Cancer Agency. So working to trying to think, and it didn't. Uh, Christian all through high school wore the number 11 as his football number. And he wore that number because his best friend um, was a boy named Mitchell Ho, who collapsed at Vancouver College on the playground when he was 11 years old. He had a pre-existing heart condition and um, he went into a coma and never came out. And so um, his parents, Sarah and um, Stephen Ho, um, they created um, an award at the school. And um, so Christian was inspired by Mitchell, wore that number 11, and then when he was in grade 12, he received the award um, honoring um, Mitchell Ho. So he knew about Connect Place and because he'd been there to see his friend uh, mm -hmm. when he was at end of life. And those two families are so intimately connected. And then to, you know, um, obviously Christian received um, uh, chemo care. It did, not, uh, it did not work. And he was at end of life. And you know he was and he struggling. was twenty one when he, he was out? no 19. Not nineteen yeah I think I believe nineteen mm -hmm. um, and he struggled to not want to go to Connect Place because he knew that was the place that his friend died and um, you know cancer has a different um, we don't see our kids um, that are um, with cancer until very end of life so they wouldn't that's because they're receiving um, chemo okay they are fighting to the very end that's inherent in uh, in the in um, in that disease, okay. right? It's not, and that's not administered at the Canuck place. No. That that's something that would be no. done through the Children's yeah. Hospital or okay. the BC Cancer Agency. That's where they would receive um, the uh, chemotherapy. Okay. Um, if you know, if we have a if we have a child that's been referred to our program, and oncology says Pete says we just can't do. There's no nothing. If that child and that family want to continue with chemo care. Um, we make that hop. We make that possible. Okay. Because, you know, you um, you want to encourage hope, right? Sure, of course. And you, um, you, you just you never know. Yeah. Um, but um, so Christian passed away at Connect Place, and um, you know, it's it is it was an incredible story of connection, and you know, now these two families, because another big part of our care is. Families don't end their relationship with Canuck Place when their child passes. It continues because they need to recover from their grief. Right. How do they do that? They need to do it through grief counseling. They need it to bereavement counseling. They need to... And Canuck Place supports and this as well? Canuck Place. A, a very large part of our clinical team includes a counseling team that supports families not only while um, their child is living, after their child passes mm. and also for the siblings we even have grandparents groups so we have grandparent groups where they come together in bereavement and talk to one another and support them we do it also reach like remotely so we have an online counseling sessions because our families live all over the province they wow. don't just live here so in addition to the in hospice care we are also outpatient providers so we have something called enhanced community care Okay. So we have nurse practitioners um, who go into family homes. So we could have a child who is end of life, and that means their acuity is pretty high. That's like four or five, a high acuity scale. What does that mean? Maybe you can take for a second to mm, explain that. Yeah, so we, we've developed an acuity scale that basically goes from one to five. Okay. And that um, defines how many um, patients that we can have on staff. We don't have another ward. So if you're in a hospital and you right. have a child that's a lower acuity, you can send them to another ward from an ICU. Sure. We don't have another ward. We just have our hospices and we just have our beds. So 
basically what we do is we have a fixed number of nursing staff. We don't have any more or any less. We have a fixed ratio. We can't increase the number of nursing staff. So that determines what acuity we can have on. So if we have three or four kids at end of life, we can't fill all our beds. Right. Because we have to have a ratio of nursing one to one. And we don't have any place to send those kids who are lower acuity. And and a child that's near end of life, I'm assuming needs virtually higher, higher more uh, complex more, care. More, more complex care, more attention. Yes. More time from the nurses that can't be Yes. Whereas if you had say two a lower or three acuity, children, a lower yeah. You have you can yeah, kind the of ratio. split it between yes. them. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and we have a fixed ratio. So it's not like we can bring in more nurses on one shift. Our budget allows us to do this. Yeah. Right. Okay. So So you're going back to, you said you were talking about how there's a lot of out out of- Outpatient care. Outpatient care. Yeah, so Where the the nurses are looking at the QD levels of- Yes, so we'll go in. So if we have high acuity and the request of that family is like the child, they live on Hornby Island- and it's really important to them, their end of life, their um, uh, perhaps a, a, a cancer, a pediatric um, cancer patient, we go to their home so that the parent can be a parent and love their child. And the and child the, passes away in their and home? The, and the child passes away in their home. Oh, wow. So we provide that as well as, a, as an option because mm. families need choices. Yeah. They need choices when they're facing something very difficult like like the loss of their child. So yeah. how can we, would you like that in home? Would you like that at, in our hospice? Wow. How can we support you? That's in, amazing in, that you, mm-hmm. that's incredible. I'm learning so much. What, what, uh, what percentage of the families would elect to have their child's end of life uh, happen at home versus in the hospice? Oh, that's, an, that's a really good question. So I want to say that there were this past fiscal, I want to say around 81 deaths on program. Yeah. So of those, I want to say that maybe um, 12 to 15 opted to have in-home care. 12 12 to 15 of those. um, Uh, 81. Yeah. 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 So you have, you had in the last 12 months, fiscal 12 months, you had 81 children pass away. Yes. That, that's like, that's like one child every five days. Yes. Yes. And, and is that normal or is that? Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what's, I mean, normal, it's been increasing, uh, you know, those numbers have increased um, gradually in the last 25 years. Just because of your capacity, you're being able to manage? Of our, I think it's about capacity. I think it's about population. Oh, I see. I think it's about, um, um, about referrals, right? I think there's a whole bunch of things that are yeah. kind of wrapped up in that number. What percentage of the children pass away from cancer? Um, I think that uh, on our program, I would say that it's thir- about 35% of deaths on program. Don't quote like, but it's around yeah, that number. About it. 35% of deaths on program are from um, cancer. Okay. But we almost see, like, for all the kids in the province that, who pass away from cancer, we see over 95% of those kids. Really? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Is so that cancer on- the highest, if you look at all the different, could you mention there's, Hundred? How many? Hundred and eighty-nine different. Hundred and ninety in yes, one hundred and ninety different illnesses, illnesses that and conditions and illnesses that we look at. And I mean, some some of our kids on our program, like they're their only child in the province that has that. Right. That's that's it. Incredible. And I mean, I think that. So, do you have access to all the specialists in the province as far as doctors are concerned? Like, if you have a very unique case, a child that's got some very, you know, um, is, you know, you, yeah, unique illness. Uh, are you able to tap the shoulders of certain doctors in the province? Do they, uh, do they and do they volunteer their time? Do they get paid? How does this? How does that work? Well, so our physicians. So yeah. we have four physicians on staff, and our physicians are the experts. So okay. so they do like there are specialists, but that specialist wouldn't necessarily have an understanding or know that basically once the diagnosis is made they are referred to our program there's some cross things that do happen so you know if you have a child that has sma type 1 so sma kids now um spinal muscular atrophy and there's type 1 type 2 um they have um there's a new drug that's made available aspirins i think it's called and it helps um it it um supports the child in, in terms of keeping their mobility um 
Um, a child with SMA also at some point because of the degeneration in their um, in their bones and their musculature, they will get a um, they could get a rod put in their back. We don't do operations. We don't do intervention operations. That child will still be in our program, but they will be seeing a um, a, a specialist that will be putting that rod in their back. Mm-hmm. So that's where the crossover happens. Um, but we would not necessarily um, work with a, uh, a specialist per se. On it's that the referral basically comes our way, and then our physician team and clinical team looks after that child. Okay. Um. So it, when you look, oh, that's great. Thank you. So when you look back to what causes children to die, mm-hmm. um, you've got 190 different illnesses. Some of them obviously very obscure. Are there is cancer the number one? Is it the, the big? No, no. No. You know, if you were to look at our diagnostic chart, yeah. um, I think what you would find is that um, uh, the kids on, the, as I mentioned earlier, when kids have cancer, they don't come to our program till very late. Okay. Because they're, they're getting active intervention care through chemo and radiation, right? We, that's not what we do. Right. We are, we... Um, take a child once the referrals has been made to say this child will pass before the age of 19. And so it's not until oncology gives up. And they're not giving up. Oncology has said we've given this child chemo three times. It's not. The tumor is growing. This is happening. We do not see any other effective measure. We cannot do any more chemo. It's going to, you know, it'll impact the child. So that's when the referral is made. So although they make a, a cancer oncology patients make a large percentage of our children who pass on program, they're not who are they're active on program. So if we were to look at our diagnostics chart to say here's the conditions and diseases on on program, mm-hmm. um, you have that as I said the chromosomal, the neurological, um, the immunological. So we have those are larger. Um, take a larger percentage okay. of children active on program. Yeah. But when you look at children and what they're what the taxonomy or what they're what they died from, yeah. cancer makes up a bigger portion. I see. Yes. What about the ages of these children? You mentioned from six months out to nineteen, but is there a particular well, zero to nineteen or zero to nineteen? So we work with BC women. So if a child has been diagnosed in utero that they have something like a trisomy three, which means that child will not thrive. Um, they may uh, die at birth. They may die before birth, or they may only live for like six months. We become the um, the consult team. So we'll go to BC Women's. We'll have a consult meeting with the mom and dad and the babies in utero and talk about what might happen to prepare them and to prepare them what's going to happen at birth, to prepare them um, as best we can with, um, you know, what their first, um, you know, their, their, what their child's life might look like for the first and support them in grieving, grieving A, that they've just got the diagnosis, so there's a sense of loss there. And then we also set up an opportunity because that's a very short period of time for that family. So we'll set up a photographer to come in and capture that child being born. Um, we'll set up an opportunity for to make uh, a memory piece. So um, hand molds, right? These things, um, or a necklace that has a footprint of the of the child in. It. Because ultimately, in the end, when that child does pass, and whether you know after the child's born, then they they come to Canuck Place and they stay there until the child passes. What that family needs is they need to say, "I was pregnant. I had a baby." And my baby's no longer here, but my baby lived. And whether that baby lived in the utero or that baby thrived outside the womb for a few days, that is important to that family. And we can't shun that anymore. We yeah, have to sure. acknowledge life. Yeah. Right? It's such an important, important thing to do. And that's what Connect Place, you know, plays a role as well with, um, uh, with our perinatal program. Okay. Wow. Well, speaking about, you know, um, about life and about death, you know, one of the topics politically that's come up a lot in our guys' last couple decades is assisted dying. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a one I think that people can get, um, you know, can wrap their heads around f- for an older person, like an adult or an elderly person. But has there ever been is there talk around the you know around the wa- water cooler about the pros and cons of assisted dying for children? So that's a really inter- interesting question because mm-hmm. right now the legislation is for over, I believe it's over 19. So the discussion has not even entered into pediatrics. Mm-hmm. And so um, even in the adult realm, 
if we had really good palliative care um, available for um, adults, um, and I know there is a really good system, but if, if, if it was accessible to all, then that, what, that the whole premise of palliative care is ease suffering. And so right. there wouldn't be a need for MAID. Okay. You know, and, and, and there may be, you know, that's a, that's contra- a, good point that's a controversial that's where, subject. But, no, but that's the, a good point because that's what I'm thinking about. Like if I had a daughter or one of my daughters or my son were terminal and I saw them suffering and I knew there was zero hope. And maybe, maybe I know that they're going to pass in 48 hours or 72 hours. I would like to be able to just help facilitate that now so they don't have to be in pain. Mm-hmm. And the intent and what, 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 what happens at Connect Place is, you know, we are experts in pain management. Right. So our, Because that's going to be so scary for the little children. Uh, yeah. So our, our, our physicians, what they're, you know, what they're working on in our nursing and our clinical team, we're working on ways with which to ease the suffering of that child to ensure that they are not suffering and that they're not feeling pain. And, you know, there are, it's not to say that children don't feel pain, but like, we get called all the time, like, how do we, you know, we've got this kid, we're trying to figure this out, the, you know, the referral happens, and the, the thing we get at right away, how do we stop that child from suffering? We had a child that, you know, um, they were up in Kelowna, the family was there, the, the daughter had been crying and throwing up for months, and they couldn't figure it out. You know, they'd worked it. They came, they were admitted through our program, they came in, and we helped that family, she stopped throwing up. Wow. She stops suffering. And that's, you know, that's the intent. But we also want to make sure that child's lucid and present. Sure. Right? So it's a fine balance of figuring yeah. out. But, um, you know, the, the intent and purpose of palliative care is to provide um, you know, that ease of suffering, manage pain and symptoms, and provide joyful moments mm-hmm. and memories for that family. And so that does not fit in that context of a, that there, there's no need for um, um, physician-assisted death. I see. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind of things do kids... This is great. Thank, I'm going to try and make it all the way through without crying. <laughs> it's got to be tough. I'm, um, I don't know what would be worse, seeing children passing away or children suffering from pain. Mm. Um, you've got a lot of staff and volunteer people, um, and I'm sure there's lots of people out there that are really strong-willed, and it's probably why they're doctors and nurses, because they can handle this. And there's, stuff, there's uh, people like me who struggle, even if I mm-hmm. you know, cut my finger, I get feel, feeling queasy, never mind the concept of seeing a young child pass away. Do, is there some kind of support service for the volunteers and the people who work there mm-hmm. um, in the similar way that they're starting to identify with, say, police services, where mm-hmm. they're finally starting to wake up to, hey, you know, there's a lot of PTSD within the police force that needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have a really comprehensive comprehensive benefits plan, obviously for our um, for all our all our staff, right. including our clinicians. And um, but in addition to that, um, annually we provide we have an, uh, a nursing retreat where mm. our nurses are able to go to unload to to share to um, um, facilitate you know any um, anything that they're dealing with when we've had a particularly intense um uh patient in house um that has you know created that it's been very very difficult we provide um an opportunity for um all our clinicians to get together to talk to unload to be able to share and um then we also have a an internal employee team it's called care for the caregiver and the whole intent be- behind that is is like how do we support one another when we're going through really difficult times because to your point you know you can't be you're not immune um to a child passing and you can you sure. know there's all those things that you've done to help that family and there's you know there's things that were brought how you feel you've made a really a, a big difference but it doesn't mean that it doesn't impact you yeah. right and so that's a really big part of um of the work that we do you know as an organization is ensure that all our caregivers are cared for as well yeah and i think there's always more that we could do Sure. Right. I, I, you know, we're always looking for ways that we can um, augment um, the support of our team to ensure that they um, they feel um, the support that they need and that they can go back to work. So every every Tuesday we have something we have rounds, clinical rounds, which, okay. you know, something that happens at like a hospital. It happens at a hospice, too. So it's a very unique and it's it's really an example of our um, interdisciplinary care. So um, 
children who have just been in-house, children coming in-house, children who are um, being supported in their homes, children who are being supported in hospital, because we also do that too. We do are the consult team, so we will see children in hospital as well. So you have all these... choice of care places. And um, so we'll have all our clinicians. So we'll have our nursing, we'll have our physician team, we'll have our housekeeping team, we'll have our food services team, we'll have our volunteer team, we'll have our, all these people will be included in rounds. Our school teacher, our counselors, our recreation therapists, they will all be included in this, in this rounds. And it all starts with recognizing the children that have passed that week. Oh, wow. And so it's given to, you know, the, um, there's candles in the middle of the room. This is how it starts. And so um, the nurse who was at home with that child will come and she says, this is for Amelia. Right. And she'll light the candle. There's a moment of silence. See, now I'm, now I'm right. just crying. <laughs> but, but, but it's about the recognition of life, right? It's so all these people feel I knew this. I wouldn't make it all the way through. <laughs> All uh, these, you know, these, um, they're nurse, you know, they're, they're specialists. They're so specialized in their care because they're caring for really complex yeah. um, um, cases. But they all have, um, um, they all have a connection to that family too. It's not, you're right. It's not, yeah. there's not a disconnect between, you know, um, th- that they just move through their day or their job. Sure. Right. And it allows for everyone to have, um, you know, a thoughtful meditation around that life. Yeah. That that life was important, that that family is important. And, you know, that family is still connected to us, right? Sure. Because Amelia's mom and dad are going to be on our counseling and bereavement program. Right. Right? They're yeah. going to be, they're probably going to get a little music therapy. There's yeah. going to be part of, you know, remembering our children. So it's not just about sending them away and saying, no. well, you know, it's. No, it's, they're yeah. always connected to the organization. Yeah. And, you know, you think that house, that hospice has such significance for them because that's where they spent their last days with their child. Yeah, so there's memories connected yeah. to that, right? And so there's always that connection. And then those siblings will be looked after. You know, Amelia's brothers and sisters will be look, looked after as well because they'll be getting sibling support group. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, so there's always a connection to the family, although it moves moves from team to team, right? Yeah. And when I'm talking about that interdisciplinary care, you know, when you're sitting there at rounds and you have the you have the cook, and the cook says, uh, "Grandma was in house, and uh, she was staying up in the family room, and she's a diabetic, and um, sh- so I'm just going to put some. We just need to make sure we know that. So the counseling team." Oh, they get that. They know that. Oh, Mo, grandma's a diabetic. Okay, we're wondering what we're. How, I wonder how grandma's doing. We got to make sure that we check in on her. You know that the nursing team knows that. It becomes this really well-rounded care, yeah. right? And that everybody yeah, has a part of it, yeah. right? Um, you know, the housekeeping team. You know, ah, uh, that little boy. You know, the little brother. He loves to go outside and play in the dirt. I think we're just going to offer. They didn't only brought so much stuff down from Fort St. John. Oh, so many clothes. Yeah. Oh, we're just going to make sure we wash his clothes. Right. You know, there's all these little pieces that come yeah. together and are threads that are so important. And the family, it, the intent is to make it seamless for them yeah. so that they don't have to worry about anything but their child. Yeah. And wow. they don't even have, you know, we want to also say that they don't have to worry about their child because they're being cared for by our nurses and physicians. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is your website here. Now, do you, you, let's go to the About Us, Ross. And let's go to our team. I want to talk about your team for a second. Mm-hmm. We won't go through everybody because I think there's a lot of people, right? Yes. How, many, how many paid staff do you have? Um, I think we're part-time and full-time. I think we're at about 180. And that's wow. super high because that's, you know, you, you think about 24-hour care and nurses at two locations working 24 hours. Yeah. Let's start with that. Where are your two locations? Because I'm familiar, mm-hmm. obviously, with the house that you mentioned. Yeah. But wait. So we have a hospice um, at Glen Bray, and that one's um, been uh, been around for 25, coming up 25 years. We built a second location in the Fraser Valley. Fraser Valley Health Region is the um, largest growing health um, care region for uh, children, right? So right. that, sure. that so area is so over 45% of the kids in the province live in the Fraser Valley. Yeah. So in the Fraser Health region. So we built our second purpose-built uh, hospice in Abbotsford. So it's okay. right next to the Abbotsford um, Hospital, and it's on something called Campus of Care. There's three, um, there's an adult hospice there and a kind of a youth, um, a youth uh, disability care place called Matthews House, Abbotsford Hospice, um, Matthews House, and then Canuck Place. 
It's called Dave Letty House. Okay. So who's uh, Dave Letty? Dave Letty is um, runs Ludcor. Oh. oh yes. Okay. So he um, uh, he generously uh, donated a significant amount of funds and also helped build the purpose built. Yeah. So there. So we have um, uh, four patient beds there and four um, uh, family suites. So provincially, we have 13 patient beds and eight family suites. Okay. And that services the entire province um, for care. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to talk about who your patients are and also about your funding in a minute, but let's go to your team. So we won't go through everybody, but let's, um, uh, and not that I don't want to talk, talk about the board, but uh, I want to talk about the people who are actually yeah. involved from yeah. the day to day. So going mm-hmm. to your staff here. So, so our uh, CEO, yeah, yeah, that's yes. m- yeah, Margaret okay. McNeil. So she's yeah. our chief executive officer. And um, how, how long has she been? She's CEO been for? there for seven years. So yeah. Okay. So um, it's about uh, the same time as yourself, actually. Yes. You say about, yeah. Okay. We started around the same time. Yeah. I think Mark's, uh, Margaret started just before just before Mary. So yes, yeah, so she's an incredible leader. And um, has been um, foundational, you know, in not only in healthcare, um, but also in, um, um, you know, leadership, and then also um, uh, supporting the vision for the organization and bringing the teams together. Yeah. So yeah, she's been amazing. And Dr. Hal Seiden, he's our medical director, so he's okay. world renowned. Okay. Um, he is an expert in pain management and um, uh, an expert in pediatric palliative care. Asked to go all over the world to present to um, um, also um, really, really good researcher in the area of pedi- pediatric palliative care, which is, oh. you know, fair, a very, very new, yeah. you know, area of research. And, um, so, and he, so is this pretty much his full-time gig as far yes. as like, he's not uh, running yeah. the other practices? No, no, no. Is this his, is, is, he is wow. the medical director. But, and as most physicians <clears throat> do, like, so he has a, you know, he has a placement at uh, BC Children's. He's, yeah. uh, he's uh, um, there and at UBC. Yeah. Right. But yeah. he is, um, yeah, he runs our team. Tannis Miller, and she's the director of our um, of our um, uh, nursing team. So okay. she oversees, you know, the majority of our staff. How many nurf- nurses? Um, yeah. I would say we have probably over 65 full and part-time nursing staff. Wow. Yes. And you said earlier, you said 400 volunteers? Yes. 400 volunteers, and that's Jessica Tremblay oversees that. Okay. So she's she oversees our volunteer um, uh, our volunteer team, but also oversees our housekeeping and our um, our kitchen team. Wow! Right, and food Could services. Could you use more volunteers? Yeah, we are always looking for volunteers, and actually, yeah. right now we are um, we are looking for volunteers at both locations. Um, we do really need some out in the valley, like yeah. uh, we need some more in Abbotsford as we've ramped up to um, providing, we just started 24 hour care in May last year. And so we really need um, some some Great. more. Um, well, let's staff use this as, a, yes. as an opportunity to plug more, more volunteers. Canuckplace.org. So, so w- I, again, being you know, not very knowledgeable about a hospice of this nature and looking for volunteers, I would immediately assume, well, look, I work in the financial business. I don't know the first thing about healthcare. How could I possibly volunteer? Right. Right. I mean, I'm not, I don't know how to take we're, care of we're kids. We're not asking you to provide health care. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I don't want you to provide yeah, health care. I don't want to either. To, we have So what kind of volunteer, what, yeah. can you give me some real yeah, examples we, of the kind of things that you need? Yeah, we need, um, we need help at our, at our front desk. So okay. when we have people coming in and on weekends, we, we, we need that because we don't have full-time staff that are working on weekends. We just have our nursing staff that are operating the second floor, but we need kind of somebody there. Um, we need um, uh, garden volunteers. Um, the gardens are a really important place for our families. It's where they kind of go to relax and keeping those, the upkeep of that is really, really important. We need kitchen volunteers. We need housekeeping volunteers. Uh, we need, um, um, kind of operations support volunteers. So people that, you know, can, are good at fixing things. We do have a facilities team, but we need help and support with those. We need, um, sibling, um, sibling care. So supporting, looking after kids. And a lot of times, like what we are really looking for is someone that can take a regular shift yeah. at a certain time of day, certain, you know, once a week, twice a week. That's really important to us. And it really makes a difference for our organization. Wow. So, And yeah. can people volunteer even just for maybe like an hour or two? Yes. Yeah, they can. What, well, what happens is it's that they, they, we have a very, very, because we're a patient facility, yeah. you, we can, there are certain things that you could do, but it was probably you'd have to work outside in the garden. Yeah. You couldn't be in the hospice, right? No. So we have to go through a whole process where you get 
um, you need a criminal record check. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah because we're we're a patient, yeah. um, um, pediatric patient area. Yeah. So um, yeah, you do that, and then but you get amazing training. Yeah. Our our volunteer um, um, services team is incredible. What I can't you learn, imagine that you would not feel fulfilled in your life yeah. a little bit more by volunteering at yeah. a child's hospice. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, you know. Yeah, yeah it is. It's really, yeah. it is yeah. a really, really great experience. Can we go? I just want to yeah. share because I didn't get to all my colleagues. I want to make sure because I wanted to tell you sure. all the people that. Yeah. So uh, Denise Prail and she oversees our, um, our all our fundraising. Okay. So um, she works on. Um, all our areas of fundraising and um, does that include the gift of time gala that I'm yeah uh, no she, okay. she we do events but she yeah. looks over um kind of like direct mail yeah and um um our corporate partnership team yeah and um uh our major gift team so yeah. um and then legacy gifts so all those kinds of things and then Carol Ellis and she's our director of finance yeah yeah she's amazing okay. too yeah good yeah. good well that's an amazing team. So let's talk about the children. You, you, you mentioned Fort St. James or Fort St. John. Um, you get children from all over the province. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously there's going to be families that can't really afford to come down. Um, how do they, like, do you, do some, does one parent come down with a child and the parent has to stay up with the kids or can you actually support like a family of four or five or how does it work? Yeah. So, um, what happens is if a child, you know, if a child is like declining or something that needs to happen, we're in contact with, uh, with them. We have a 24 hour service. Okay. So we are, um, not only for inpatient, but we're 24 hours. So if there's a mom and a dad and they live in Fort St. John and they can't just drive to emergency because their kid has a rare disease that the emerge doctor is probably yeah, not going to no, know about. No idea. Yeah. We, we, we provide that 24-hour service so they can phone. We have the child's file. We kind of go through. And if we need to escalate it to a physician, we have a physician on call for 24 hours. Uh, like so that the family is supported and they are provided, okay, the G-tube fill out. Okay, here's what we're going to do. And so our team talks that um, family through and helps support them when there's challenges right. um, at home and, and help facilitate. If, there, if an admission needs to happen, there are services in the province. So if a child needs to fly somewhere and go somewhere, that that it, they they have access to that being covered, right? Like the so, air ambulance and that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, an air <laughs> or just yeah, and coming down that that it, they they find a way to support. There's a way right. to, for them to support that. That's not a service that we provide. Yeah, but we um, admit them and then bring them uh, in in hospice and provide the care. And then they also have a choice where they can book in advance. So that family from Fort St. John, they can book you know, days, like they want some respite time I see. and they want to come down to the city. They want to visit with, with other, whatever they want to do. They can leave their child with us if they mm-hmm. need. And then they know that their child will be cared for, or they can stay in house and have a place to stay. Cause yeah, it's gotta be so draining for some of these families. You know, you've got need two working rest. parents and three kids and one's terminal and never mind the emotional, but just the daily, like caught, like the, the daily challenges of life, raising a family. Yeah, yeah, the really, respite really, care I bet you is really valued. It's really, really, yeah. That was yeah. twenty days, and you know, a lot of times, like if we, you know, it's not, it doesn't happen, but sometimes we have to cancel that care because we have, we we get a, a higher acuity. Sure. But our our families are so amazing because they understand, and we'll rebook. Yeah, sure. At another time, right? But sometimes that does happen, but they know yeah. that there might be a time that they might be in that same scenario, yeah. and they want, they know, they understand. So yeah. they're just, yeah. you know, they're they're amazing. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about finances for a second because we're going to end up start crying again here. And try. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got pretty good uh, funding from the uh, most or a large part of your funding is from the provincial government. Is that government yeah? Funding? So the Ministry of Health through PHSA they um, provide about forty percent of our overall um, operating for direct patient care. Yeah. So they they provide forty percent, and then we raise sixty percent of our funding wow. through the community, and that's through corporate sponsors. It's through um, generous donors like like you know you yeah. and Crystal right. come yeah. to our event, and um, through um, uh, partnerships and um, events, and then we also receive um, funding from the Canucks for Kids Fund, which is the finan- which is the um, uh, 
the charitable arm of the Vancouver Canucks. They've right. been so about is that those fifty fifty tickets? You know, some of those fifty fifty. Right. Yeah. So the funds raised from those fifty fifty tickets. They also have events that they do uh, fundraising, yeah. and we receive approximately um, five hundred to six hundred thousand dollars annually, which is about four percent of our overall operating. What is and your overall operating? Our overall budget? operating is around uh, sixteen. 16 million. Yeah. 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 Ross, can you just make that a little bigger so I can see that for a sec? I think one of the things that I I always look at, and we talked about this briefly before we started filming, was about expenses. Yes. And and I always like personally donating to charities that uh, don't have a lot of costs associated with like fundraising and administration. Mm -hmm. But I think the point that you made earlier about the fact that you have 14% of your expenses are management and administration, $2 million out of that 16. but you had a good point. This is not just, you know, this is not just people that are uh, sitting at a desk trying to fundraise or, you know, administrators. These are people who are providing healthcare services. Right. So we're 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 a kind of a combo, right? Yeah, we're a sure. combo organization. So we we are fundraising, but we're also managing. Uh, we're we're providing healthcare services. So yeah. um, so the combination of those two things, you know, that's actually a very low percentage. Yeah. For uh, an organization that you know, it, you your um, program director that's running the nurses needs an assistant. Yeah. Right, but that's not direct patient care, yeah. right? Necessarily. So that yeah, the, you're right. The numbers are good. I mean, if you mm-hmm. add the two up together, it's almost uh, it's almost seventy five percent. Which means, I mean, f- for those of you who don't really maybe monitor this stuff, I mean, to have seventy five cents on every dollar go into supporting that exact like the actual charitable activity is a very very good number. Yeah. It is. Um, the gift of time gala that I'm familiar with how much does that typically raise every year so this last um, we just had our um, most recent event and we raised the most ever it was 1.53 million wow and so if you think about that as part of a you know the our overall operating that's a significant amount of funds and um, and it's also you know it's not just the funds that are raised but it's we don't have we're not a place that you can walk through Right, necessarily yeah. that you that everybody yeah. has the opportunity we're yeah. small yeah, little organization yeah, yeah. right <laughs> and you know we're not children's hospital which yeah. you know if you have a if you have a child in 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 vancouver you you've probably been there <laughs> you've been to emerge you to kind of see how it unfolds but that's not necessarily the experience of our organization we're just smaller so the platform i would call it or the ability to bring our families into a space like a big ballroom and have the family tell their story just gives us such an it's such a great opportunity for awareness mm-hmm. that we don't we don't have um uh, typically so that's another reason that the gala you know it's incredible support we have this inc- like the women on our gala committee are like stupendous they're yeah. just so yeah. they're wonderful they're very passionate about they're it. so they're just, passionate yeah. and they're so supportive and, and it's a heck of a gala i mean it, it's a lot of fun another plug for that so you guys expanded <laughs> the number of seating this year yeah we did um so if anybody wants to go to one of the city's best gala events mm-hmm. make sure you get your tickets next year for yeah. the the 2020 yeah the 2020 in october yeah in october yeah um, and I think it's also important, to, I, I think, to emphasize to listeners that, um, like other charities, I mean, when you hear these big numbers like, oh, 1.5 million raised at the, the gift of time, how could my $20 or $100 truly help? But it can. Yeah, right? it I mean, does. If you, if you drill it down to just simple things like meals for families, you know, 100, yeah. 100 bucks or 20 goes bucks. Goes a long way. Goes a long ways, right? Yeah, it yeah. goes. It's it's incredible, and you know we raise funds for we raise fund for medication. We sure. purchase medication. We raise fund for we need a um, a respiratory therapist because mm-hmm. a lot of our kids are trait. So they then they have that trait means that they have like um in order to breathe they've got, they've had something you know cut in here and they have a, a breathing machine that helps them that's been put through oh, um, wow. through their trait. So so in order there's 10 different kinds of breathing machines wow right so you can't we don't have the expertise so we need the support of that we need um support of pharmacy so we have to have not only do we need the medication but we need a pharmacist sure so we subcontract that we we pay for those services to uh bc children's hospital yeah so those are real costs of healthcare, and um you know it's through events like the gift of time and we also have another gala that we do in Abbotsford called the Gift of Love Gala. Um, gala. It's yeah. an amazing event as well. And it's through day-to-day donors. 
yeah. who are, you know, receive something from us in the mail or see us online and they make a gift of $100. That is goes such a long way with our organization. Yeah. It really makes a difference. Yeah, that's the power of, uh, of, of, of uh, charities and fundraising is if you can just get enough people to make that small donation, mm-hmm. uh, it can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, question about uh, children, um, the, the types of uh, terminal illnesses. Yes. Um, I mean, you've been there for seven years, but it's been around, the, the hospice has been around for what, tw- 25 years? Now? 25 years. It'll 25. be 25 years next year. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, so the gifted time gal is going to really be Yeah, it'll be it? really big. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, are there certain illnesses uh, that children just aren't passing away from anymore that they used to? Like, is, there, is it, yeah. that, has that whole situation changed a lot? Yeah, so that's, that's a great. So obviously, you know, one of the things that, um, what is happening is that in many diseases, children are living longer. Okay. It doesn't mean that they're not terminal, okay. but they're living longer. I would say, you know, in our early days, and um, I know I've heard this from our medical director, Dr. Hal Seiden, uh, we had a lot of children on program who had muscular chains. And that has changed the tra- trajectory. So the kids who were diagnosed with, um, with that, sometimes uh, the trajectory was about 16 years old, and that's changed. So, with, Sorry, with muscular what? Uh, muscular Duchenne. What, what is Duchenne's. that? It's like a muscular, is that, is that it's a type of muscular dystrophy. Oh, okay. Right, so it's, um, to explain, I think. But that's, an, that's a specific illness. It's a specific oh, illness. Okay. And so now, you know, the children on program, um, we don't, there's very, um, we do have kids with muscular Duchenne's, but they, they have to have a certain, something has, has to have, um, it has to be a certain type that, um, that they're, um, that they have in order to be admitted on program where years ago they used to, we used to all took all the muscular change kids, but now with drugs yeah, and, um, you know, the th- things that have been researched and found, they're living longer. So there are, you know, there's kids that, um, are in university, right? Wow. So they're no yeah. lot, they're, they're not part of our program. So yeah. yes, there are illnesses that are changing. And I think the earlier one that I spoke about with was SMA. That's also something that's changing children, even with cancer. Right, right, are living longer because they've they've found different things that work yeah. better, and so there are there is a change in 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 how um, in treatments and mm-hmm. what it what it what we've seen is children are living longer, um, but it's they it becomes more complex mm-hmm. because um, they are living longer and they they're becoming more symptomatic and their health declines. Mm. But their their trajectory is longer, and that's why you know back to that point, our kids on our program are on our program for an average of seven years. That's ama- that's amazing, right? So it's not the word the word palliative kind of like you know, and so hospice kind of like is is you know messes things up a certain to, to to a certain point because that's just that's it's a it's not like the framework of adult hospice. I think that's why the story of Christian this year at the Get the Time Gala was such a great one because. I mean, they're all they're all heart wrenching stories, um, but the ones you, you know, I've seen in the past are about you know the the child who's six or the child who's twelve or thirteen. But here's a child who was nineteen. Now, question would be for me for you was this is a hospice for children who are actually not even born yet up to age of nineteen. What if Christian was twenty or twenty one? Because you're saying the average child is with you for seven years before they pass away. Mm-hmm. But what if a child gets admitted into the program? at age 14, but they're, they're not passing away till they're seven years later. So that makes them, uh, you know, 23, 20, yeah. 21. So, uh, you know, if we have kids that we call graduate from our program, uh-huh. it doesn't happen very often, but if we have children that do graduate from our program, we have a transition program where we try to support them in finding adult services. And, you know, Children's Hospital would have the same thing if they had kids who were on oncology and who graduated into the adult world, it's a, it's a, it's a tough transition and yeah. finding the adult services that are available for that, for that um, youth. Is now, there you an know, adult equivalent of, uh, of the Canuck House? I guess there's just lots of hospices out there. There's hospices nothing, out there, yeah. yeah but, and so, you know, the, the, depending on what the, each scenario is, so a lot of times what will happen is a child that has been referred to a program Sometimes, like Children's Hospital, uh, kids graduate, not graduate, but they stop, they, their services stop at 16. But they will have in their oncology program, because if that child has a pediatric cancer, they'll take a child who's 18, right. even though their number is 16. And then if the referral comes through Children's, we still receive that referral. I see. And we have received referrals even through BC Cancer Agency, because it's just like, 
it, the environment of that child and that family, there's still a child. Oh, for sure. So, so, so we make exceptions, but I would say that there's less about that exceptions and more that we, we stick to the rules, but. Yeah. Right, right. But, and that happens in healthcare at all, all the time. Okay. We want to make it happen for that family. Yeah. And if that family has been part of our program, we're going to do our best to support have, them, whether have, that we provide them and share them with services that are available or that they, that we provide the service ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Debbie, have there been any, um, cases for yourself have been really a tough one or ones that, or is there any special one that you'd like to, as we sort of go to wrap this up that you'd like to talk about? Because we did talk about Christian a minute ago, mm-hmm. but I, I find the stories really sink in how important your organization is. Like it's, we've covered a lot of bases, talked about the financials and everything, but do you have another story you make it, maybe could talk about, about something that was um, kind of close to you or something that was quite meaningful to a lot of the staff that, uh, would you know the listeners listening to this might just really sink home why it's important to support Canuck uh, Canuck House and mm-hmm. oh, you know. So I'm thinking about a family that mm-hmm. I um um they're they're wonderful. They have um there's five kids in the family and um they live um near Victoria. Okay. And um uh they have a little boy and he has something called uh and I hope this is the right way to say it San Filippo. Oh, it's a rare condition. Um, he wasn't diagnosed till he was, I think, around two or two and a half. And so he looked completely, you know, like a little boy. But they started noticing things that weren't um, kind of weren't, weren't happening um, in terms of his developmental. And he had developmental and um, physical delays. Um, and he's now, um, he was walking and running and all those kinds of things. But what happens with San Filippo is the child, just their motor development declines their ability. And they basically usually die before the age of 11. Um, so, um, uh, his, this boy's name is Heston and he's a delight. And the family is so full of love and joy and they know what's, what's happening. And, you know, and. You know, the mom is now, you know, dealing and with. Out of interest, is he the is he the youngest child in the family? No, he's, he's not. The so they or? have there's two tw- there's twins that are after him, and then and I'm allowed to talk about this pay, you know, because they're very public, and okay. this is a story yeah. that you know I'm I'm allowed to share. Sure, so yeah. we're not we yeah. can't usually talk about our patients, but this they, uh, I'm they, I'm allowed okay to, to yeah. yeah. But um um and they are um they're just. They're the family that they're just looking for. They love coming to the Canuck, to Canuck Place. The kids, they have a great time, and it is a great time for them to get respite. Mom and dad, they need a break, and it's um, it's like uh, their holiday time. You know, they look at coming to like this is like uh, you know, and um, he had a um, really bad uh, reaction to surgery. He had to get um, his tonsils taken out, and um, he almost died. Um, and they weren't ready for him to die yet and he wasn't recovering well. And so, um, they came to Canuck Place and our team worked with them and helped support him and helped, um, get him through, um, and improve, improve how he was doing. Um, but it's just wonderful to see how this family is just looking at every moment. They know he's like, he's nine or 10 now. And he doesn't really? have that much time left. Wow. And they don't know when he will pass. Mm-hmm. And like that is the hardest part for our families. What they're dealing with all the time is uncertainty. Sure. They don't know. Yeah. And so they've got, how do they get from uncertainty to just like, let's just see what the day holds. Yeah. Let's make the most of this. And, that's, and I love watching this family because that's what they do. And you see that and that just brings me so much um, you know, it just makes you look at your life in a different way and it makes you just be appreciative, right? And you know, you have children yourself, you understand. It's like every day is a joy. And those little things that we take for granted, you know, that we're like, oh my gosh, do I have to drive them there to their practice? Do You know, like you're <laughs> right. running around, right? And you just think what, you know, how fortunate, yeah. um, how fortunate we are and how great it is that connect place exists to support families like Heston. families like that and for you sure. know that they're going to this loss is going to be great for them but they are making the most of every morning because they've been supported and guided by connect place and that when heston does pass connect place is going to be there for them and yeah. the brothers and the you know all the brothers the, yeah. all the boys everybody's going to get looked after yeah and um and that's going to happen because of this community 
right? Yeah. Because the community that supports Connect Place and all the donors that make that happen, it's, yeah. it's um, you know, that brings me great comfort to know that Heston's family is going to be looked after. Well, it's a great story, Debbie. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. That's amazing. Has there been one more question for you? Has there ever been a situation where truly a miracle has happened, where, where a child was diagnosed as being terminal? Yes. Really? Yes. So that has happened. And I think that um, our physician would tell us like maybe four or five times and it's um, cancer. Every, every, ever I or four or five was, times a year? No, no, no. Four or five times over the last 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so, it, so it does happen, right? Because the human body can do amazing things. And um, yeah, so wow. that has, that has, has happened. happened. Yeah. 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 And I actually know, like I think about, um, I know of children who were diagnosed and thought they were being introduced to, to Connect Place and then a new treatment came out or, you know, something happened. So that it, do, it, ha, it has happened. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So if people want to donate to yes. the Canuck Place, if they want to follow you, I see you've got the social media here, Ross. So this is the Twitter handle, which is Canuck Place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can follow on Twitter. I'm assuming there's probably an Instagram. Instagram as, and Facebook. Yeah, and Facebook. All of the above. All of the above. And do you have any kind of donation programs? Like I know a lot of the charities will do like, you know, like a automatic renewal of like $20 a month off your credit card, that type of thing. Do you guys yeah. have anything like that? Yeah. So we have a Courage Builder program and okay. that's our monthly donor. So we, we call them, they're building courage at Connect Place. Yeah. And um, that's available online. You can just go to yeah. um, uh, Connect Place. Yeah. Dot org and then you and just kind of go there's a big the orange donate button, donate button up the top Ross. right yeah. yeah you just go right to that donate yeah. orange button and then um you can uh look at the option and the option of giving monthly you have um you have the option whatever you would like to give at yeah. and um you know monthly donations are really really important because they're consistent right and it and it um for any charity not just connect place but it helps helps the organization have this um, understanding of longevity and um, where the funds are coming. So it's, they know and, um, uh, and it creates, it's a, a really strategic way to give yeah. um, because it's strategic in supporting the organization, do their planning. And it's also strategic as a, um, um, as a donor. Yeah. 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 Wow. And I think if you donate, if I should know this because I'm, this is my job. Uh, I think if you donate over four, as a $400 a year or more, you get a higher percentage on your tax credit then yes i think is that, yes. is that right number? yeah i think i'm not sure yeah. because you know things everything could change <laughs> yes that's true today yes we have because of the election new government we just <laughs> today so <laughs> slightly new uh, yeah same yeah. but new yeah. <laughs> same with same, more same, struggles yeah um do you have any canucks players that donate is, is any been any canucks? oh yeah. yeah yeah you know players uh players have donated over the years and i think one of the greatest things is the players actually donate their time because yeah. they actually those fundraising events that the connects for kids fund have the, that's player time right so yeah. that's players um providing and and also donating and then you, and know, you the, see those videos the players coming into the to the hospice and man those kids you know you know if they like hockey or if they're into the canucks because they light up in their faces you can oh, see oh yeah it. It, it it's and you know i think one of the biggest things and the greatest you know that that partnership of being connected to the vancouver canucks you know it gives you know uh, you know we have 765 children and families on our program that's a small you know portion but high complex care right a small portion of the population but big high complex care but if you think about that group that feels, you know, day to day is a struggle and can be very, very hard to know that you have, you know, the, the, that there's those hockey heroes out there that are, you know, um, connected to them. It, it provides hope. Right. And it provides hope and inspiration. And um, it's about looking forward to something. Mm-hmm. And we all need that. Right. As human beings, we need something to look forward to. And especially when we're in difficult times. Yeah. And so that's been a real source of um, support for our kids and families to be connected to those Connect players. Yeah. Wow. Great. Yeah. Well, Debbie, this has been fantastic. Thanks for coming in today. This has been great. Thank you. And I only cried sort of once. So (laughs) I can admit I've been feeling heavy hearted here, but this has been great. Yeah. Well, thank you for caring. You know, um, not only just, you know, um, your support, your generosity to our organization, but um, also, you know, your wonderful wife. Crystal too. She's been incredible. So we just really, really appreciate everything um, yeah. and the opportunity to talk to you today. Yeah, great. Well, Debbie Butt from the uh, Vancouver, I kept seeing Vancouver, the Canuck Place Children's Hospice. Thanks for coming in today, Debbie. I really Thanks. appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you.
Good. That was